everybody welcome to the 169th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling uh man day one of free agency was absolutely crazy i've never seen so much so much movement in a free agency first day have you never in my life could i have imagined that so much player movement could happen over the course of seven and a half hours. It is 1026 right now, Pacific Standard Time, on Sunday night, and the NBA moving up the uh, free agent meeting actual start date to 6, 601 Eastern, 301 Pacific was genius. You know, We would just be starting to get into the thick of these deals in, in years past when it was 1201 a.m. On, on July 1st, Eastern Standard Time, and just to kind of put things into perspective, J.A. Adonde tweeted out that Shaquille O'Neal in 96, when he joined the Lakers, didn't sign until July 18th. Think That's nearly three weeks of, of negotiations. In, in today's instantaneous society, the fact that we're getting, I mean, it, it literally, we knew Kemba and we knew a few things beforehand. But when it hit 3 o'clock, boom, J.J. Redick, boom, you know, all of these deals just just flying off the tweets. I don't know if they had them loaded up in their drafts or what, but it was just instantaneous. And I I believe over $3 billion has been exchanged in just seven and a half hours. I mean, this league puts all other leagues to shame when it comes to keeping interest over the course of a 12-month life cycle. I mean, the NFL can learn a thing or two about how the NBA handles its free agency. Because it, it, it's New City, man. With with the NBA, man, it's like constant new content for people to talk about and for us to be continuing like putting NBA content out there. I mean, it's hard to even remember what happened in the first few hours when you've got all of these deals seemingly topping each other one after another. Like I was literally afraid to take a shower at, you know, a little after three, we just gotten back from a long walk because I knew things were going to pop off like that. And I, I was glued to my phone and it was one of those days where like you were happy, you were glued to your phone. I was just, just excited to see what else was going to happen. But Sage, a lot happened for our Portland Trailblazers. And let's dive into that first. And it's surprising to me because during the Kent Bazemore press conference, Neil O'Shea said, do not expect fireworks on June 30th. And me personally, with my expectations, I saw a 4th of July spectacle. I I don't know Mm -hmm. about you, but, but how did you feel with what Rip City did in, in day one? You know, in, in video games, there's such thing as S tier, which means it's special, not not whatever an A is. It's an S tier. I think that the Portland Trailblazers had an S tier day because they signed Damian Lillard to that max contract to keep him here for four years. A lot of people don't mention that, and that that's a huge thing because he had options. He didn't have to sign it, and he did. And then we got Rodney Hood on a on on the. Uh, the MLE, which we both didn't think he would take. The taxpayer. And then we got the taxpayer mid-level. And then we got Super Mario, which, hey, I will take, if you're a legitimate NBA player and you want the minimum to be on our team, that is a hella feather in the cap. I mean, Alfred Rubik leaving, I think it was too rich for our blood, but I'm giving this an S-tier grade. Like, this shit ruled, man. I don't know what you're talking about in terms of S tier, but it sounds good as hell. And sign me up for for whatever you're having because I I think it was a banner day for the Trailblazers just not even eight hours into free agency. And it's all about managing your expectations. And what did we want to do going into the playoffs? We just wanted to win a series. Well, we got to the Western Conference Finals. What did we want going into this free agency? 
we were just praying and hoping that we could retain one of Rodney Hood or Ennis Cantor for the taxpayers mid-level. And sure enough, it happened. It was almost like the draft where we were just waiting for Nasir Little to drop to us. We had no assets to really go and move up and grab him. Well, we had no assets to really make a salary dump happen, or we didn't want to, you know, give up multiple first round picks to get off of salary to open up that full mid-level exception. We basically hoped and prayed. And from all accounts, Rodney Hood was going to give up on basketball. He didn't enjoy playing it, but he was kind of revitalized in Portland and was a huge part of our success in getting to the Western Conference Finals. And that's why he took the the taxpayer mid-level because it's a fit. It's what he wants to do. He wants to be in Portland. He just gave, um, he and his wife just gave, you know, birth to, to twins and he went from Utah to Cleveland, now to Portland. He wants some stability and, that starting three where Portland had a lot of success in the playoffs with Dame, CJ and Rodney, that's open for the taking. And I fully expect him to be the starting small forward on opening night. So just Rodney hood alone, that is an a plus plus. And I, I am just giddy that we were able to secure hoodie because I think he's got even more, game that then he was able to show in in the Denver and the Golden State series. I mean, this is a guy that we acquired, you know, 50 plus games into the season. Let's get a full season with him, especially the entire with, camp. Exactly. Especially with Nurkic out. He is why we were why, why Damon CJ were able to have such good nights. He beat up Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray just got a fresh five year, $170 million extension. He made him worthless on the floor because he could not defend him. He is a big guard. Big guards are, I think, a rare commodity in today's NBA. So I cannot state enough how excited and ecstatic I am to have Rodney Hood back in in Rip City. And and like, you can think of this contract, or at least the first year, as a prove-it contract because it's a player option for the next. So if he body shit and can earn another payday after this year, he can leave and get that payday. And we got two years of Rodney Hood at a really friendly cost-controlled contract. Will we at least have his bird rights if we want to, if he opts out next year? It would be two years, so I think so. Okay, as long as we have his bird rights, I am totally fine with having to pay up for Rodney. But I also, you know, you mentioned it's a prove-it contract. I mean, we, we're seeing a lot of wild deals. It, some of these deals remind me of, of 2016 with Rubio getting 17 million a year, Bobby Portis getting 15, uh, Julius Julius Randle getting 20. I mean, the Knicks basically nicking everything up. So you look at Rodney Hood, and he gave us a team friendly contract. So yep. I, I think if if he plays up to his part, he he's going to get paid in full, like Eric B and Rakim <laughs> come 2020. It seems like Neil O'Shea realizes that you can't have players that are unplayable in the playoffs. Like we've seen it with Kent. Rodney was a, is a very playable player in the playoffs. Super Mario, yo, like he could honestly be on the floor in the playoffs. He's learning that you can't have liabilities offensively. And with the signings and trades of uh, Kent Bazemore and Rodney Hood and Super Mario, there's at least potential to be on the floor in the most important minutes of the, the of the game. Yeah, let, let's touch on this because Alfredo Camino left to go to Orlando three years, $29 million after spending the previous four in Portland. And I f- felt like fandom for, for Chief was, was really split. And it seemed like uh, on Twitter, Blazers Twitter, the community really, really loved him. You know, it was a Minu Hive and he had, had a really big fandom but you go to the, the the forums and it was much more probably the opposite. Like, thank you for, for your time in Portland, but we're ready to move on. I tend to fall in that latter camp. And we've kind of discussed this over the last few episodes. It seems to me it's been pretty apparent that, that Neil Olshay and, and the coaching staffs have worked together. And if you are a liability and you nailed it right on the head, Portland is going to move on. I was furious we allowed Ed Davis to go to Brooklyn uh, at a $2 million contract. 
but he was unplayable against the front line of Anthony Davis and, and Nikola Mirotic, and that is a prototypical modern NBA front court. You see the same thing with Evan Turner. Yes, he was having the ball in his hands, but teams were not even respecting his jump shot, and he, he really wasn't a threat to shoot the basketball, and he wasn't a post-up threat. So again, you're playing four on five. Aminu was probably the best offensive player of the bunch, but probably the most inconsistent. And I think at times that probably drove the coaching staff a little bit crazy or at least made it really unpredictable because you just couldn't plan around what you were going to get. Great players are consistent and you can you can chalk Jame you can t- chalk Dame up for 27, you know, 7 and 5. 82 games a year. You know, knock on knock on wood. Let's take that to the bank. That's what makes him special. Obviously, Chief is not at, at Dame's caliber, but we've seen the formula for four years now. Teams double Dame and they leave Chief open. Sometimes he beats them, sometimes he doesn't. But it, it just, I think we have seen enough uh, of Aminu in, in Portland and the playoff series against Denver and Golden State where he was essentially getting the Nicholas Batum rookie year treatment, starting the first mm. halves and getting like five minutes and then going to the bench, I think really sealed his fate. And, and you know, I can, I can empathize with, with all of the Aminu fans out there. Uh, he definitely was a versatile defender, great locker rebounder. room, great rebounder, um, extremely well liked. And he had a lot of big moments for us. And I was a fan of another polarizing player about 10 years ago in Travis Outlaw. And I was devastated when we moved him. So, you know, I empathize with with the Aminu fans of the Blazer, you know, community. But to me, I think this was the right move. Zach Collins is, it's now or never for him to be the starting power forward. And you really don't want to be spending $10 million on on a backup, on a backup four mm. when you're, you know, giving giving Dame the Supermax and, you, you know, you're over the, the luxury tax. So that's kind of where I, I stood with Aminu and I kind of felt all along he was not in the long-term plans any extra thoughts on, on chief you know chief kind of reminds me of like a a regular starter in baseball one third of the time he's great one third of the time he's awful and then the other third is where you you decide if he's a a good player and i i can't deal with there being two-thirds of a chance that alfa rukamino was going to be a liability on our team i think that he deserves to be in the nba I'm very happy that he got his money. It, it's a it's a raise to what he was used to in Portland, but I don't think he was the fit in Portland. Honestly, I don't think he's the fit in Orlando. But hey, man, I'm I'm not I'm not his agent. But you know, thank you for your for your years of service in Portland. Um, good luck to you in Bo- uh Wow, not Boston, Orlando. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely getting the standing ovation when he returns. But I think it was time to see something else and you like the fit in orlando i i don't um i don't I think it's a bad fit actually. i don't know what orlando's doing so we want to talk about franchises mucking it up you've got the knicks you've got the suns you've got the hornets orlando is one that just cannot get it right for whatever reason they decided to give vucevic 25 million dollars a year for four years in comparison Nurkic makes half of that coin and he's a i i think Nurkic is a better two-way player they drafted Mo Bamba fifth overall last year Last year in, in 2018's draft. They have Aaron Gordon and John Isaac, who are the same exact player. And now they added Alfred Camino, who is just a veteran version of those. I remember I said that Aaron Gordon is a future version of Alfred Camino. They're all the same player. I will say that I think Vucevic deserves his money because he did put up really amazing numbers. But other than that, man, there's so many question marks about that team. Who's running point? I feel like they should have used that money on a legitimate point guard because they're out there. Like, are we gonna? Are they gonna do another year, DJ Augustine, and then hope Mar- uh, Fultz actually plays basketball this year? Yeah, I think, there's a lot of questions. I think Fultz is probably their their long term option. But again, this is what separates perennial playoff contenders from teams that just can't stop from tripping over their own feet. And I think if you're Portland. You have to be at least content with what we've done, given the salary cap and all of the restrictions really placed around what we can do and how we can operate this summer. The fact that we were able 
to get Nasir Little, a lottery talent at 25. You traded a liability in Evan Turner for somebody who can help you win in the playoffs in Kent Bazemore, another guy who is... Playoff experience, too. Yeah, and he's another guy like Rodney Hood who's looking to prove himself a little bit again. Like, he was kind of forgotten in Atlanta, just like Rodney Hood was forgotten in Cleveland, despite making the NBA Finals. And then you're able to bring Rodney Hood back on that taxpayer's mid-level. We did not have to attach any assets to a Mo Harkless or Myers Leonard to free up additional space. And then we got Mario Hazonia. And this clutters up the wings a bit. I mean, now what we're looking in terms of the two, three, you've got CJ McCollum, you've got Kent Bazemore, you've got Gary Trent Jr., you've got Maurice Harkless, Rodney Hood, Nasir Little, now Mario Hazonia, and possibly Jake Lehman. That's like eight dudes. So obviously I think there's something in the works. I, I don't know what this means for Jake Lehman, to be completely honest. Um, we're at 13 people, players, under contract right now. And you would think that definitely uh, another big is in the works. So, or two, yeah. Does what does Portland do with, with Jake Lehman? I, I know I was in. I remember this last year because I was in Norway checking my feeds, and you were sending me updates. And you said, "Oh, we got Mario Hozonia," and it's like, "Oh, sweet, you know, reclamation project." But he, you know, apparently spurned us at the last minute, went off to to New York to to join the Knicks, and uh, this was a, a classic Neil reclamation guy brought him in former lottery pick of the Orlando magic. And it's not like we haven't had success with former, you know, top 15 picks from, from the magic before, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Shabazz. Wasn't a, yeah. Shabazz wasn't a top 15 pick, but he had talent. Won a natty at UConn. You got Baz, you got Mo Harkless, and now you're going to roll the dice on, on his who has a little bit of swagger. Seems like he is pretty good friends with, with Yusuf Nurkic and, you know, I've got all, a few highlights where yeah. he just lambs it. And he also blocked LeBron to, to, yeah. to seal that game in Madison Square Garden last year. So, you know, I love that. But he, he's he is a, a minimum level contract guy. And this is what you do. It is zero risk, a ton of reward. And that's kind well, of what I would say a little bit of a reward. Like it, it's not a ton because the Damian Lillard's a ton. But it's definitely a, you know, low zero to no risk, little bit of reward, which is which is good. You can't you can't expect someone to on a minimum contract to be huge for your team. I, I guess we have different expectations because I would say Nick Stauskas was a lot of reward just by the fact he scored twenty four points points on opening night to defeat the Lakers but once. That, that's once. All, that's all. I'm easy to please, baby. <laughs> I, I guess I'm a little bit more of a a hating bitch, bro. Because <laughs> hey, man, we. You you get five game good games. I don't think it's a high reward type of proposition, but maybe I'm wrong. Hey, I mean, if if Hazonia helps us win just one game, that that minimum signing worth it. And if we can trade him at the deadline for something better, worth it. Just like we use Nick Stauskas yeah. to get Rodney Hood. Too bad we don't have any second round picks for the next decade. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can trade those babies years, deca- decades in advance. So Hazonia, want the Blazers twenty thirty. So Hazonia, not the sexiest pickup, but we were all aware that this is the type of move that that Neil Olshay w- was going to make, and this is just day one. But maybe the most important move Portland made, and it's going to get glossed over because today was just hectic as hell. But Dame Lillard agreed yep. to the super max extension. What what is it five five year extension for one ninety? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, I might. It might be four for one ninety. Oh, I think it's and, four with a player option for a fifth year. Yeah. Yep. And so I was talking about this with with Olga, and I was thinking, Damian Lillard never put the Trailblazers through a free agency circus. There, there has never been a question where the media is always asking Dame, "Where are you going? Who are you setting up meetings with? Have you thought about free agency this upcoming season?" He has always squashed those rumors from day one. I want to be in Portland for my entire career. He has doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on that statement over the course of his seven-year career in Portland. And by doing this, he, he says, I'm a blazer for life unless you guys don't want me. And that to me is something that you can't value in a box score. As great as a Kawhi Leonard is or, you know, LeBron James, they're having their franchises 
past and present on pins and needles because they have no idea what that player is going to do. Dame is committed. He is loyal. And that that's a reason why I probably rank him higher in the NBA echelon uh, of talent than maybe some others because of what he brings to that locker room. He is our culture. He is a, a the, he is the main reason why we are where we at right now after losing all of that talent post 2015. So in that 2015 free agency period, he wasn't the first Blazers signing. I think Al Farouk was, but he was the same day as free agency opened. Cause I remember 1201 be getting signed, but he was first day. And then like I tweeted about it being like at 301, I expect to see uh, a, a Mac, a, a Woj bomb saying Dame signed that max extension. He definitely hasn't. Yeah. He's never put the team through what Anthony Davis did or what James, uh, Jimmy Butler did or shit. Paul George, even though he resigned, he definitely had them thinking he was going to LA. So there's that added benefit of like, okay, this dude's solid. We don't have to worry about him getting bored in one place or something like that. It, it he's just solid and yeah, like it's it's pretty awesome that we have a potential MVP candidate not being extra all the time. You know, when you're looking at your roster construction and you see a lot of teams do it this way, they have pretty good role players. They're always searching for that number one guy, maybe two number one guys, that is so incredibly hard to find because even if you find them, the culture necessarily doesn't mesh. And what I mean by that is let's take Kevin Durant when he went to Golden State. Maybe he did things a certain way and the Golden State culture was a certain way. Durant had such a pull that there might have been maybe awkward times and, you know, this is what I want to do versus this is how it's going to be done. When you're Portland and you have your guys from the top locked in, Damon CJ, they set the tone. They, I mean, you look when, when Evan Turner uh, signed, he liked to practice wearing jewelry and they were like, nope, that's just not how we do it. And Evan's like, okay, this is the blazer way. It's a lot easier trying to find Mm -hmm. these role player pieces than trying to find your stars and hoping they align with your, with your, you know, your franchise culture. We already have that. And so that's why, you know, I've seen a lot of fans really freak out. Like the Utah is doing a lot of big moves and, you know, Denver's um, bringing back Paul Millsap and the Lakers getting Anthony Davis and LeBron James. We've said this time and time again, there's something to be said about culture and continuity. And we saw it come to fruition in the 2019 playoffs that the Blazers were able to defeat the Thunder and the Nuggets without their third best player in franchise center. And it has a lot to do with what they have built and what they continue to add. They're not trying to tear it down and start to build another, you know, they're not another design. They have their design. They have their foundation. They're just starting to build. They're really just redecorating a little bit right now. Yeah. Trying to find the missing, uh, missing piece, not the main pieces. Absolutely. And so when you're able to have that, it, it just, to me, it takes a lot of the, the anxieties out of being a fan because we have Damon CJ, you know, Nurk's coming around the corner sooner or later. You have a, uh, a longstanding front office and coaching staff. The Blazers may not make the, the splashiest moves, but you know, in the words of Kendrick, you know, we're going to be all right. Yeah, man. I mean, we, di- we didn't need to swing for the fences. Not saying we won't, but at least in day one of free agency, we haven't needed to to trade Myers, Moe, and a first-round pick for somebody. We have a very sustainably built team, and you know you have to be patient. Could, what about Nurkic coming back? Isn't that the splash? We, we, we were in the playoffs without him. We're getting back a guy that put up top five center stats in the NBA, Maybe he's that missing piece that we keep forgetting about since he's injured. And you, for, for all of the, the, the bad moves that Neil O'Shea has made, he is really good at finding players who are looking at a bounce back year. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at Robin Lopez, Maurice Harkless, Al Farouk Aminu. He, he's just Ed Davis. He's able to find these Rodney pieces. Hood. Rodney Hood and his canter Seth. and Seth Curry. And he he goes, Fraser. he goes out and he gets Kent Bazemore. And I think people are, are sleeping on that Kent Bazemore acquisition a little more than they should be. 
because I think he is going to be a, a really nice addition and there's going to be a lot of versatility, a lot of our backcourt and wing depth is phenomenal. And that gives me a lot of hope because once Nurt gets back, we're going to shore up that, that location. And I don't think the Blazers are done, but again, we're talking day one. Uh, Sage, before we get into, Ooh, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I got a question for you that I yeah, just yeah. thought of yeah, yeah. dribble pass shoot. There are no bad contracts on this team currently. I am going to shoot that from the logo. Yeah, yeah dog, the there's logo. no bad contracts on the team. And when's the last time we could say that? I don't think we've, I, I can't remember the, honestly, the last time that's ever been. Cause I, I like Ken Bazemore is a plus player now with that contract. It's bad, but he actually can contribute on the court. I don't think we have a, uh, like a Allen Crab or an Evan Turner on this roster. Everyone has a fair contract. No, that is a that is a great question. Um, I also shoot that. Yeah. Let's get into a couple of fan questions before we start talking league wide. At Dwayne Peterson wants to know: hard to keep up with everything, but when the dust settles. Where do you see the Blazers ranked in the West? Top three. Yeah, I mean, they, they've made the third seed back-to-back years, and there, there are two big ifs that I'll throw out here. If the Lakers don't get Kawhi Leonard, and if Yusuf Nurkic is able to return to form by the playoffs, the Blazers are the best team in the Western Conference. I don't think they end up with the best record, but I think there is tier one to me right now. There's there's four teams in the West. You've got the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, and the Lakers. To me, those are the four best teams in the Western Conference. I think Oklahoma City, only adding Mike Muscala, um, Houston throwing all of their players basically in the media. You got Harden and, and Paul feuding. You got Capella, Gordon Tucker, not knowing where their next team's going to be. I think they're going to take a step back. The Warriors basically just blew up their, their squad. They lost Kevin Durant. They lost Andre Iguodala. They're not going to have any money for Cousins or Looney. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's not a great fit with Steph Curry. And Klay Thompson's not even going to play next season. I think they take a step back. Uh, to me, those are the four teams. So I, I say right now Portland is a, a top four, four team in, in the Western Conference. It's crazy to think that of, of the Warriors with uh... – Steph, D'Lo, and uh, Clay as like their seventy percent of their roster, salary wise. Um, it's gonna be interesting how that shit works out, man. That is a weird fit. I bet they score a lot, but I don't think they have the chemistry. We taught you talked about how great chemistry was. The Golden State Warriors had that shit, and now they absolutely do not. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be Steph, Clay, and D'Lo taking up most of their salary and Clay's not playing. So he's dead. Like it's sunk cost. for this year. Yeah. It's sunk cost for this year. Well, I think Baz will, would take a uh, Livington spot. As much as I liked Baz, there's something about Sean Livingston. He was a calming presence for that team. And he seemed like he made every single mid range shot that he took at six, seven, six, eight. He possess he posed, such a mismatch whenever he mm. came in there. So I think they are going to miss him drastically. I mean, yeah, the, the, they're going to, it's going to be those three players or in the, for this year, these two players and a bunch of, you know, ring chasers and minimum contract people. Question from Tyler Moore. Do you guys think a trade for Kevin Love is realistic or another proven power forward? Yeah, I think it's realistic. Do I think we do it? I don't know, but I think we could swing it. I don't know if it would help us, but I think we could swing a trade for a, you know, a, a legit power forward. It's just who's going to want to take our offer. And it might not be a power forward. It could be a center that, you know, can move down to power forward. So I think I definitely don't think we're done, but I, I, I think that Kevin Love, for instance, could be attainable. But we talked about it last uh, last podcast. If we're trying to get Kevin Love, we should wait until the uh, trade deadline, not right now. Yeah, I think right now the plan for Portland is to, is to start Zach Collins and Myers Leonard at the 4-5. You also have Scalabissier, who can play some 4 for you. They definitely will sign, I think, at least a minimum big 
to to be a backup five. And then you've got you got Nurk waiting in the wings. And, and right now, the what Cleveland is going to look for Kevin Love, it, it's going to be too high. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. if they want to take Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, and pick, that deal would have been done yesterday. And I think that's really all that Portland is willing to offer. I think you they don't also, really have any other assets. No, and I think they're you, willing to trade. And I think you have to also. It, it's going to be a little bit of a wait and see, and I know it's going to make Blazer fans uncomfortable. And that's this is where I think the the veteran big signing is going to come into play. Is does San Antonio get off to a good start? Does Lamarcus maybe quietly ask to get traded back to Portland? What do the Pistons do? I mean, if, if they start, you know, seven and, and twenty one again does Blake Griffin become a little bit more available? So I think Portland has more options right now than, than just Kevin Love. And so yeah. j- just kind of keep that in mind. Stay patient. The Blazers are probably going to play a lot of small ball. I think you could see Mo Harkless shift over to that four. Maybe Zach Collins play a lot of five. Um, and and th- there's there are so many crazy sign-in trades that I that I witnessed today that who knows what, what could take place because – a guy like Demarcus Cousins is still on the market. Ennis Cantor still on the market. Is there a way that Neil O'Shea is able to make anything happen? Uh, I saw a lot of crazy shit today, so I would say just stay patient. And so, what type of big do you expect us to bring in and the minimum contract, like archetype wise, like a more athletic uh, freak, like a lanky, faster dude, or a more traditional big? Right now, the number one weakness I see on this roster without a healthy use of Nurkic is rebounding. And I think that is a very valid concern. We have traditionally been a fantastic rebounding team, even playing Alfred Camino at the power forward position. So I want to see a guy who really can stretch the floor. It doesn't have to be you know a dead-eye shooter, but a respectable shooter, but is is really known for playing defense and rebounding. You know, if, if Ed Davis had a mid-range shot, like honestly, Ennis Cantor is is the perfect guy that I want because he saved our bacon on so many occasions in the playoffs, just getting those second chance opportunities. You know, he wasn't a dead-eye shooter for, for any, you know no one's gonna c- confuse him with, with Kevin Love you know, shooting the rock from downtown, but he was respectable. And Jokic had to go up there and guard him. That That's the archetype I want. So Reggie Evans with a shot? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, there's definitely guys out there, and they're, they're probably a grizzled veteran, too. I mean, if they know what their role is that, that heavy, it might be a, a veteran signing as well. You talked about him last episode, Michael Green. I would take him in a heartbeat. And, and I think teams have spent a lot of their money. And it's it's crazy how so many free agents have, have already signed. And somebody tweeted this out that you, you would be smart to take maybe the first offer you get. Because once the market settles and that money dries up, I mean, look at Mo Harkless in the summer of 20 or Mo Williams in the summer of 2013. We got him on a very minimal contract just because he waited too long. I mean, we signed him in like August. I don't think we'll have to wait that long to get to get our veteran big, but the longer it goes, the market's going to dry up on some of these guys. And you know, teams are teams are wilding with these contracts. It's not like they're they're being frugal or they're you know they're being fiscally you know responsible. They are just shelling out the money like Scrooge McDuck. You saw that Terry Rose year. <sighs> I mean, what about Ken Fareed? I would. He's got a decent enough jumper that that I would I, w- I would take him. I think he is a perfect stopgap. I think you want a veteran presence, a guy who has a chip on their shoulder, and somebody you know that is going to give you high energy the moment they step on the floor, especially with a second unit. Like that's where Portland Portland may not have the star power uh, of the Lakers, but they are going to have to be a team with depth that's just going to wear teams down over the course of forty eight minutes. And that's what we saw when we added Rodney and Ennis, how effective the Blazers were. We had our most success when we actually had a bench. I mean, surprise, surprise. Well, the way you talked about the rebounding, it's like we we saw a bunch of it with Ken back with Kenneth back when he was in the Nuggets. 
uh, the Nets kind of stunted his growth. And then he, he kind of got a little back with the Rockets, but it wasn't enough time. So I bet he will be one of those guys on that scrap heap looking for a minimum contract or prove it contract. Absolutely. All right. Do you want to talk about the craziness of free agency today? I mean, I, you goddamn right I do. I mean, that, that's I'm so stoked to be recording with you. And like I tweeted out, like you're a monster for being being up with me. And I know you've got some post-production work on the back end, but you know, we're cranking out these episodes because this league is so unpredictable. It's so fun. You know, I looked, I was looking forward to this day, even though we didn't have a lot of money to play with and it didn't disappoint. I think let's kind of try to start from, from the beginning, but what are your thoughts on, on Durant and Irving and Deandre Jordan going to Brooklyn? I feel sorry for Jared Allen one because he he's been putting up numbers and now he has to compete with a veteran like DeAndre Jordan. I think that it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, Karis LeVert all work together in that first year. I don't expect them to be fireworks this year. I think they'll make the playoffs and that team was really smart with the culture that they put together. I don't think the two stars and DeAndre are going to fuck with the, the sacrifice for the team type of thing, but they have star power. And in this league, you need stars to produce wins and they got it. I mean, it's going to be rough year one without Kevin Durant. Part of me thinks that Kyrie is going to burn another franchise to the ground. I think they are a lower tier team in the Eastern Conference and obviously everything hinges on what Kevin Durant's going to be able to come back to but if Kawhi stays East that 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 East is really loaded so I got a question for you dribble pass shoot Philadelphia 76ers had the best day one re-signed Tobias five years 180 they were the mystery team for Al Horford, four years, hundred plus million dollars, and they're st- still working out the kinks of that Jimmy Butler sign and trade that would give them Josh Richardson. Apparently, the Mavericks are out, so it seems like that's still going to happen. So let's talk about it as as it's as it's complete, and you know, a starting five of Simmons, Richardson, Harris, Horford, and Embiid. Tough, pretty fucking nasty, yeah. And then you have probably the best, the best Embiid type of uh, backup in Al Horford. He's at the four right now, but he could slip to the five, and they can run like another wing to play small ball four. So they have they have that Embiid load management guy. So are you? Dribble, I think dribble pass or shoot. Yeah, I mean, yeah they 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 look like the most solid team right now because of their moves. So yes, I shoot that. I shoot that as well. A few other teams, Portland included, Utah included, had really nice days, but the potential for that team mm-hmm. through it's the, the ceiling, through the ceiling, dribble pass, shoot. Hmm. The New York Knicks will win more than 15 games next year. Man, I don't even know how this shit's going to work, dog. They got three power forwards that all deserve minutes. And you know Bobby Portis don't fuck with no competition. (laughs) (laughs) I feel feel bad for Mitchell Robinson, bro. He he was putting up numbers, and now it's like he's going to have to take a backseat to these two similar built Zebo builds. I mean, did, did, is this what RJ Barrett wanted when he was like, I want to be a New York Knick? Do you really know what comes with being a Nick? They, they have Man. Kevin Knox, Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. I don't know how it's going to work. Dennis Smith Jr., RJ Barrett. It seems like they have got a lot of guys who, who play for number one. Yeah. And, and, that, and need the ball to do, be any exactly. sort of. Yeah. Fizz, I don't, poor, poor Fizz. I don't know what he got him I, into. Man, there's only 30 of these jobs. You got If you're desperate, you got to take that Nick shit. 
I, yeah, I think they I think they and Charlotte fuck themselves the most. What what is Charlotte doing? So you have to be aware that Kemba is Supermax potential and they don't trade him at the deadline and I think they they compounded it worse by going out and giving Terry Rogier half of his salary getting 20 million dollars a year. I mean, it's it's going to be tank city between Charlotte and New York. I don't know which who's going to tank harder. Who's the better team between those two? Charlotte's got more prospects I like, but the Knicks have more vets. So do you think the vets are going to fuck them so that they get the second amount of uh, lotto balls? I mean, with a new lottery system, you get the same amount if you're top three. Oh, top, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or top four. In the old one. Yeah. Top four, yeah. So, um, I I mean, it's just, again, it makes me appreciate being a Blazer fan. Uh, I'm I'm not a Hornets Having confident people yeah. behind the general manager and the coach. I'm not a Hornets fan with, with no positive outlook at all. I mean, there, there's nothing to look forward to except for the next draft. Is Miles the only... It's Miles and uh, shit. Malik Tenth Mo- pick of two, a few years. Yeah, there you go. I forget names. I know where they're drafted. And then I don't know where you go if you're a Knicks fan. I mean, 2010, you're set up to try to get Wade, Bosch, or LeBron. You end up with Amari Stoudemire coming off of an ACL injury. I mean, it seems like they do this every single season. 2014, they try to get LeBron as well. Doesn't happen. And then they trade Chris Stapps Porzingis for a bunch of Dallas castaways and picks. 70 million in cap space and and they're wasting it on Taj Gibson, Julius Randle and Bobby Portis. I mean, just, just if you're, I, I can understand if you don't like Neil Olshay, if you're upset that Aminu left that we can't keep all three Cantor, Curry and hood, but my God, like be thankful. We are not the New York Knicks. What was a free agent signing that made you scratch your head that we haven't discussed about? And what is one that you're like, God damn, I am scared of that team now. I like the what the Pacers did with uh uh shit the Bucks guy Malcolm Brogdon Malcolm Brogdon I think that's a I think he's a cool pairing with uh Vic um hmm plus it goes along with T J Warren as well yeah man they got they got some wings Miles Turner um, and Demontis Sabonis they got a nice five they, I mean don't yeah. don't sleep on Indiana they could be a home court advantage team and they, in the East and they play hard. That's the thing, man. You, they got uh, Nate's got them boys playing hard, so that's definitely uh, one that I liked. I mean, the one that scratches my head the most is Terry Rozier. I think, and then the Knicks guys. I mean, I think the Knicks are in a in that S tier we talked about. If there's like a an opposite of that, that that's that's the Knicks. It's, it's F tier. It's F tier. To me, the one that made me scratch my head was Ricky Rubio getting three years, $51 million. I, I get the Suns needed a point guard, but in no rhyme or reason, no, in no reality, is Ricky Rubio a $17 million a year point guard. I get he. I was thinking that one, but then I was like, oh, it's Monty. You know he wants a legitimate veteran point guard to lead that team. There were other options. And not at true, and not at seventeen million dollars. So to me, I don't love the player, and I hate the price. I mean, he he he's, he is not capable of beating teams from the perimeter. And I know they have other weapons there, but to me, that's what it was. The free agent signing that kind of, kind of gave me a little pause was Bogdanovich to the mm. Jazz combined with Ed Davis. Um, the Jazz are they got a nice eight man. The Jazz are leveling up that that starting five. You've got Conley, D. Mitch, Ingles, Bogdanovich, and Rudy Gobert. I do worry about their depth. They in the process they've lost Corver, Crowder, Rubio, and Favors. And so mm-hmm. if you're looking at their bench and you're looking at okay Dante Exum who has been either been injured or hasn't been able to put it together, Royce O'Neal, Raul Neto. And now Ed Davis, where is the scoring going to come from the production? So that's where, when I'm talking about the Blazers, you have to look at the unit one through 12, because 
maybe the Utah Jazz have a have the upper hand in the starting five, but you need role players to, to step up. And that bench gives me Blazers 2014-2015 vibes where you were praying to God you got 10 points out of that bench. I don't see it. It's two NBA players, really. I don't think Exum can you can say he's an NBA player anymore just because he's lost so much athleticism from the injury. I think Royce O'Neal is just an average guy, but he deserves to be there. And then Ed Davis, of course. The rest, it's just hella question marks, man. They did lose a lot of depth, but maybe it will be worth it with that starting five, and then they add on like the Blazers did this year. And, you know, it, it free agency isn't over yet. But that starting five is nasty. Gut check. Dribble pass shoot. The New Orleans Pelicans added J.J. Redick, Derek Favors. Are they a playoff team next year? Maybe. Are you, are you dribbling? Maybe. <sighs> it's tough, man. I like. The... <sighs> I need an answer. Eighth seed, I'll shoot. Woo! How do you feel about those pickups? I like that they're one and two year pickups. So I, I, I think the Pelicans had a thing where there's no four or three year uh, signings and we want to keep that cap, you know, relatively open for taking uh, unbalanced trades. So I think they accomplished it. JJ Redick is a great shooter and will help spacing. Uh, same with Josh Hart. They got, they got NBA players, man. Uh, we, we, the Pel- I've been watching a lot of Pelicans basketball with players like Omar Oshik and Greg, Greg Steemsma playing center for this team. This is a far better talent-wise team than we have had with AD ever. So How dare you? I- <laughs> How dare you disrespect the name of Gustavo Ion? I loved Gustavo Ion. I <laughs> fucked with Gustavo Ion so heavy. The fact that you know who Gustavo Ion means I, I have... Uh, my influence is wide and uh, and very powerful. Oh, for but sure. But yeah, yeah, I remember really thinking Gustavo was going to be the next Luis Scola. Uh, so there, th- I've watched a lot of bad basketball. I trust the general manager. The own, like the ownership group has put in like twelve million dollars on new renovations for the team. They've signed a lot of smart people. I wouldn't be surprised if they got the eight seed. So I'm shooting it. What about you? I think I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a. A slight pass. Like, you gonna probe the lane like Steve Nash used to do? Yeah, I'm gonna probe like Nash, and I'll kick it out to a shooter. I'm gonna, you know, take a lot of that 24 second shot clock, because it's tough. I think they are definitely a top 10 team in the Western Conference. It's it's gonna depend on on injuries across across the board. It's gonna depend on how New Orleans is able to work the rotations out of those four guards, Lonzo, Drew, Josh Hart, and and J.J. Redick. Uh, I think aside from Hart and and Redick, shooting could could be a little bit of a liability Mm -hmm. in the Crescent City. And then you have to kind of figure out, okay, how how is Dallas going to mesh? Is Porzingis going to come back to, to who he was what are the Spurs going to do? You know, their roster isn't sexy on paper, but they've got vets and they do get DeJounte Murray and they have Greg Popovich. What do the Warriors do? Like, how how are they going to work D'Angelo Russell and and Seth Steph Curry onto, you know, really a, a new roster with a brand new identity? So I can... No continuity. No continuity. So I could definitely see them making the playoffs. Push comes to shove. I, I think they're they're one year away. I, I still want to see more for, from Ingram and Lonzo. But again, they could be on that prove it deal where they're, they're ready to, to take the NBA by storm. But I, I like the moves they're doing. Um, I think they are in a, a better state right now than probably a team that was ahead of them a few few weeks ago in the Sacramento Kings. The Kings they give up twenty two million dollars a year for four years to Harrison Barnes. They signed. I think that you Ariza for twelve and a half million dollars for two years. Like, I don't know what the Kings are doing, and I don't think they know what 
they're doing either. I think if if the Pelicans don't make the playoffs, it isn't a failure this year. I mean, they have so many young guys that they have to to bring in. Like, I don't think Hayes is going to play much. I think that this team is going to be very young and they're going to try a lot of shit and be very fast and score a lot. But does that always equate to a playoff? I don't think so. But I think that that like playoff success this year does not make this this experiment a failure. Not at all. I think this year the Pelicans are playing with house money and they are really seeing what they have in their young assets. I think they are they're in a good position to make a great consolidation trade and build around Drew, Zion, and whatever that that third piece can be. And I think Alonzo Ball is going to be really good. If he stays on this team the entire year, we talk about freedom. You can't be free when you're on LeBron James's team. So I think that we're going to see the star potential we all thought with Lonzo. And his dad isn't going to be as big of a factor in New Orleans as Anthony Davis Sr., who has... Uh, there's a lot of stories about him getting thrown out of the Smoothie King arena. So I... I I, I'm not as scared about Lavar as I was before I remembered about Anthony Davis Sr. But uh, any other questions? I'm trying to remember everything that happened today. It just felt like it was one Woj bomb, Shams bomb, Sham wow. I mean, whatever you 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 name it, it it took place. I think. A low-key head-scratcher for me was the Miami Heat. Oh, yeah. Gutting the team, not even a good team, in saying, Jimmy Butler, we want you to be the franchise player. And I think it says a lot about Jimmy Butler that he wants to be the man on a team that I don't believe is going to make the playoffs even in the Eastern Conference. You have a good thing going in Philly. You had a good thing going in Minnesota. I mean, I think you start to see repeat behavior. And if this is what he wants, that's perfectly fine. But I, I don't think it's he is a guy that you could say this is the face of our franchise. He is a true number one option. Yeah, one of my best friends is a Heat fan, and I've been teasing him about this for the last 12 hours. Like The fact that they were willing to give up Goran Dragic and Josh Richardson and all of these good players just to make room for Jimmy Butler. Like, what is there to play with when Jimmy Butler gets there? Justice Winslow and Dion Waiters? That's not going to make him happy. That's not going to... He's a hyper-competitive guy, and he's not going to fuck with playing with dudes that are C-plus players that will never get better. So uh, I I don't I don't get it. I want to see what that trade is actually going to be because there's been a lot of rumors that it's going to be uh, Kelly Olynyk and uh, uh, one of their cheap small forwards. So it, it's that one's a head scratcher for sure. I I guess I guess Pat Riley wanted a star, but I kind of thought Josh Richardson could have been that. But oh well. I think before we wrap this up, I, I want to talk about the Golden State Warriors. I know we touched on them a little bit, but I truly get the sense that the dynasty is over. Draymond Green, you know, kind of said, we'll be back. You know, this is not the end of us. But knowing how much they truly wanted to bring Kevin Durant back and having him go to Brooklyn of, you know, of all places, a team that doesn't really have a lot of history, no rings, just they're they're the Brooklyn Nets. They were the team ridiculed for giving their future away to the Boston Celtics. They let Durant go, and then they bring in D'Angelo Russell in, in that sign and trade, a player with a lot of potential. But you're paying thirty million dollars a year for. He needs the ball in his hands. Steph Curry, yes, he plays well off of the ball and off of scrambles, but you really want the ball in his hands. Clay Thompson is not going to play next year. They had to sacrifice Andre Iguodala and a first-round pick just to get him out to Memphis, just to make that D'Angelo trade go through. They're not going to be able to bring back Kevon Looney, DeMarcus Cousins, Jordan Bell. I mean, they are super light up front. They've got they still have Draymond, but this went 
from a team where I was guaranteed they were going to make the playoffs to it's looking like seventh or eighth seed and they're opening up a new arena in San Francisco. And I, I understand you can't stay on top for forever. You know, there's always going to be somebody else coming for that crown, but I didn't see it coming like this in, in terms of the injuries, in terms of Steph not being able to, to do it by himself. And in terms of just that locker room culture, like the identity of the Golden State Warriors to me is going to have to be completely revamped. And to me, that that's just, that's a stunner. Like these Warriors are not going to be anything like what we, we remembered. And to see a team go from five straight finals to maybe also Rands in the Western Conference is mind-blowing. So in uh, Brooklyn, D'Angelo Russell touched the ball a lot. He he was responsible for 30% of the Brooklyn's points, assists, and turnovers. And that's the same amount of usage that Steph Curry has. I think the reason that Steph and Clay work so well is Clay didn't need the ball to be great. He could move off ball and find his spots and be great. D'Angelo absolutely needs the ball in his hands. So that 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 crisp passing that fucked us over like every year in the playoffs doesn't exist because D'Angelo is a ball stopper. And how does he- I know that they had, they had to get talent and they got it, but is it the right fit? And you look at D'Angelo Russell, a player who went to Brooklyn and by all means was the man there and thrived as the man. Is he going to be cool being the third option the first year and the fourth option once clay returns? Because that team is still Clay, Steph, and Dre. Make no mistakes about it. He may get more touches than Dre, but in that locker room, he's going to be fourth fiddle. Yep. That's he's he's only um, you know twenty two, twenty three years old, so it's going to be a lot of uh, maturation for him. And you kind of have he to, has to mature really fast. You kind of have to wonder how how Steph and Clay and you know Draymond are, are thinking. You know, Draymond has got his free agency coming up next season. I haven't seen official reports that Clay's deal has been done yet either. So, well, it wouldn't be done until like the sixth. No, not even reports that it's been like I been oh. agreed upon. So you know, we we heard that they were intending to, and you know, everyone was like, okay, okay, like it's it's three oh one, it's it's four four fifteen, it's you know now it's quarter past seven. All this shit's happened. Where where the hell is this this Clay deal? Hasn't happened yet. Maybe they're still working on it, but there's something going on in in the Bay Area. I, I'm not mad about it by, by by any you know stretch of the means, but it's just it's so strange how the NBA can change in the bat of an eye, uh, just like that. I mean, there's a lot of luck that take it, that took place, bro. I mean, I remember when in like 2012 they wanted to trade for Dwight Howard. A lot of luck has taken place for the the uh, Golden State Warriors, and it might be the the luck is flipping the other way with injuries, and then them having to adapt to those injuries. So it, it it's a tough it's tough for Golden State fans and the Golden State team trying to pick a roster that's going to be playoff worthy. Last question of the night before we wrap everything up: Dribble, pass, shoot. Kawhi Leonard stays. With the Toronto Raptors. God damn, I hope so. So I'm shooting. I don't care. I don't want him on the Lakers, man. I'm shooting as we just. And I like the fact that he gets the last meeting with Toronto. He. He thrives as the guy. He is good enough to be the guy. I don't know why he would want to go to that situation and take less of ownership or responsibility in running a franchise He's an alpha on the court. He is an alpha. So it's, it's, it seems like it's, it's a weird fit and you know, I pray to God it doesn't happen, but I think he, he runs it back with Toronto that that's my gives them a one and one or something. Yeah. That's always been my sentiment. So here's hoping Kawhi stays East. I think the Clippers are completely out. I think he was trying to bring someone with him to the Clippers, but with Jimmy Butler off of the market and a few others, 
as well. But again, I don't think any of the reports we're hearing from Kawhi are, are valid. I think he keeps a very tight circle and he, maybe not even he knows where he wants to go. It's going to be interesting, man. And I hope he stays out East, bro. So we do this for you, Rip City. Now you can thank Sage for being up and editing this bad boy, but we wanted to make sure you guys had something for your Monday morning, your Monday afternoon. Obviously, this doesn't have the longest shelf life, but it was such an important day in NBA history and how it shaped the outlook of the Trailblazers that you know we had to come on, give your thoughts, answer your questions, and if anything else big happens, we're here. So continue yeah. to listen with us. As, as, as my guy says, if you're listening to this deep already, you're a real one. We appreciate all of you, and I'm, I'm stoked. I still have some blind faith we're going to be able to find a way to get Ennis Cantor. I could be completely wrong, but I think Neil has got a couple more moves up his sleeve. If, if I knew, I, I'd go buy a lottery ticket, but, but I do not know, and we're just going to have to wait on this together. So thank you for listening. Sage, tell them where they can hear us at. We are on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcasts, and we are on every Tuesday at 2 p.m. on Dash Radio, nothing but net radio. So fuck with us, and uh, we'll be back as soon as we hear anything else about our Portland Trailblazers. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!